He's involved in a number of businesses. He's a great role model. Telling it like it is. Giving you both sides of the story. This is Cats at Night. Great American, a great New Yorker. Now, here's John Katsimatidis. This is Cats at Night. John Katsimatidis here. The number one show at 5 o'clock. And you tune in to this 5 o'clock show to find out what the heck is happening and this is a TriCast, WABC Radio, 770 on your dial, 970 AM, The Answer, and WLIR in Long Island. And in the studio, we have two tough Republicans. We have, uh, and, but common sense, well, I don't know about Tony Carbonetti, but uh, <laughs> Craig Eaton, uh, and uh, 10 years GOP chairman of Brooklyn and a, a fine attorney. How are you, Craig? John, doing great tonight, John. And Tony Carbonetti, former chief of staff. We'll call him Chief uh, of Rudy Giuliani. How Tony, you doing, John? you're one tough guy. And one, we have a common sense, uh, middle of the road Democrat in, in the room that's tough enough to take on both of them. We have Anthony Weiner. Anthony, welcome to the crowd. It's so nice to be with you guys. You, ha- you need at least two Anthonys on this show at any one time. I think that should be the rule. And, John, we did put him in between and the Tony star, and I. Wait, we did wait, put him wait, between and us. the star of the, that last Sharknado movie. <laughs> Sharknado 3. Yep. Well, yeah. he's got yeah, a great podcast. That. You were the NASA director or something? I was in the NASA director because the, the theme of that one is the sharks were not off the coast of Rockaway like they are today. They were coming from out of space. Rockaway. Tell us about Rockaway. The Rockaway. beaches, they're shut down. They're shut the, down. Rockaway they're shut, shut down, down for down. the immediate future, but the, board, the boardwalk is open. So, Well, the sharks can't get up that high. The land, but it, yeah. in Sharknado, the they did. They, fly, they flew, right? They in Sharknado. Flew in Sharknado. Well, the, apparently they've issued summonses to the sharks that, flew, that, that, that swam up to Rockaway today. They rarely pay them. I don't know, Carbonetti, if this was a problem in your administration, but the sharks, when you give them the summonses, for some reason they're not paying them. But they don't show up to court. They either. don't. They really don't. And they hire shark lawyers to get them out from under. It's really a. Or maybe abuse. they're pretending to be arrested like AOC. We you got know, a great my, my show. My daughter for- right now is in Spring Lake, New Jersey. She's a lifeguard on the beach. I had to call my wife and say there's sharks. And she goes, there's sharks all over the ocean. What do you want me to do? Yeah, the Jersey Shore has sharks now, <laughs> you have too. Yeah, a tough uh, wife yeah. there. Uh, and my sidekick, Lydia Serrani, who do we have on today? We got uh, quite a few sharks of our own. We have uh, Professor Alan Dershowitz. We'll be speaking to him, a constitutional scholar. Kathy Weil, partnership for the New York City Alliance. There's some breaking news there. Go- former Governor P- George Pataki, Vito Fasello, Staten Island Borough President, and Joe Ithier. He'll be talking to us about the Hispanic and, and, vote. And who, who knows who else, who else is going to be talking? Possibly. So let's go over to Professor Dershowitz, constitutional scholar, just a couple of decades at Harvard. His latest book, The Price of Principle, Why Integrity is Worth the Consequences. Welcome back to Cats at Night, Professor Zershowitz. I am happy to be shark number one on your show. (laughs) I promise I won't bite. Well, you know, uh, Anthony gets a residual every time that you watch that Sharknado movie. Uh, Well, I get a residual every time you read my book, The Price of Principle, although I give it to charity. So please read my book. Professor Dershowitz, one of the big topics we wanted to talk about, the Secret Service, they deleted some texts. The January 6th committee wanted to see them. Tell us about the ramifications behind all that. Well, nobody should be deleting texts. I mean, obviously, history has a claim on what happened. Um, If you don't want texts to be shown, you have to go to court and seek a protective order or seek to destroy them or have them classified. But I don't think any agency of government should be allowed to permanently destroy uh, government records, uh, whether it be 
the allegations made against Hillary Clinton a long time ago or allegations uh, made currently against the Secret Service. Nothing should ever be destroyed. History, archives, they have to be preserved. Alan, is there not a Record Protection uh, Act that, that covers yeah. the Secret Service? It does. Well, preserv- now, I'm sorry, Record Preservation Act. Right, but there are exceptions. Um, not to uh, preservation and destruction, but to disclosure. I mean, you know, for example, the world is waiting eagerly to hear the tapes that allegedly uh, were taken of Martin Luther King. They don't come out until, I think, 2028 or something like that. But they're preserved, and they're not mm-hmm. going to disappear. And they may shed a new light on this great man. They're not going to disappear. Uh, Get back to me in 2028. Let's see if they're there. Yeah, yeah I'm still yeah. worried. Yeah. I'm still waiting for the rest of the Warren Commission. Uh, you know, as Woody Allen put it, he's waiting for the nonfiction version of the, <laughs> the, uh, the Warren Commission, right? You know, I was asked to serve on that commission, not as a commissioner, but as a law. I was just finished my clerkship on the Supreme Court, and Earl Warren was the chief justice. And he asked about four or five of us if we would be willing to serve on the commission. And Arthur Goldberg said to me, Alan, don't go near that commission. They already know what their result is going to be. They have no choice. They have to conclude it was a single assailant because otherwise we'll be at war with the Soviet Union. This is not a commission you want to get near, and I stayed away from it. Was it the Soviet Union or Castro? Or who knows who well, it was? That, who knows? But the, the, whatever it was, we know that the Warren Commission, because Warren was a great patriot, was going to do what was best for America, not, was be, not what was best for the truth. And the two aren't always the same. Uh, you know, what was best for America was to stay out of any conflict with the Soviet Union. I don't think that to this day, I don't know whether Castro or or the Soviet Union had anything to do with it. Very likely not. Do you know why uh, President Trump decided not to release that the latest uh, the the Warren report uh, uh, when he was president? Yeah, you know, I've often wondered about that, and I've often wondered by heads of the CIA, and I've known some of them over the years. Um, It was because when a person becomes, or did you peek? Did you look at it? (laughs) The reason was, and you'll find out someday, one of the persons that was possibly responsible, possibly responsible, was still alive. Hmm. Really? Yes. Interesting. Wow! Wow! Professor Dershowitz. Oh. I was yeah. going to go on um, to switch topics. So, Steve Bannon, yeah, what's sure. the latest with Steve Bannon? And then another part two of the question, those two Secret Service agents that said they would dispute Cassidy Hutchinson's testimony. You know, that Mark Meadows aide that said that he Trump lunged at the wheel. Whatever happened with that? We were talking about it. Did 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 they ever actually find out that if she was lying or not or what happened? Well, first of all, you shouldn't believe what she said because it's double hearsay. And any good lawyer, any good prosecutor first puts on the people who are eyewitnesses and air witnesses and then puts on the triple hearsay witness as corroboration. So I'm waiting also to hear whether or not there was whether they'll testify. As far as the Bannon case is concerned, he, he, he better be thinking about a good appellate lawyer because I don't think the chances of getting a fair trial in the District of Columbia today if you were a Trump associate is particularly high. Anthony Weiner has a uh, comment on that. Professor Dersowicz, is there any question in your mind that, that Vice President Pence had no choice but to certify the election? 
I think that's right. I don't think under the Constitution, under the 12th Amendment, he counts the votes. He counts the votes. That's yeah. what he does. And I don't think he had discretion Doesn't opine. to His, his was a ministerial position at that point. He yeah, had to just count the I, votes and render, a, render the given bad, record. Yeah. I think Trump was given bad information because this whole idea that Pence could overturn the election, we know that's constitutional. I, I know. Yeah, stop I, looking I, at me, Tony, because no, we know who Al gave Gore the bad saying, information. Hey, if I knew you could do that. I wouldn't have been there. Exactly. So, you know, the reason I was asked to do the second impeachment as well, and I turned it down, not because I thought that the president's speech on uh, January 6th was not constitutionally protected. I thought it was. I didn't want to be associated in any way with the claim that the election was stolen because I don't believe that. And that's why I turned down any involvement in the second impeachment on the first impeachment. I strongly believe that uh, impeaching somebody on the grounds of abusive power, obstruction of Congress, are unconstitutional. But, uh, you know, history will judge all these matters. And as you probably know, I'm suing CNN uh, for a lot of money that will go to charity because they totally distorted my argument. They claim that I said a president can do anything, even murder somebody or or commit crimes. And they know that they lied about that. And they're going to have to answer to a jury. Professor, this is Craig Eaton. Uh, I just want to go back to the thing we were covering before. The Federal Records Act covers that covers what the, sec- the Secret Service agents did here. And the Federal Records Act says that they must preserve records right. so that there's a complete and accurate history of governmental actions in the future. But there's something so, wrong. What no matter how many times you take your phone and delete it, mm-hmm. they would have to delete it all the way into the phone company. The server. Yeah. Anthony, what do you know about that? I, I, I don't know. I mean, I, I think that if it was out there somewhere that they would be able to recover It's got to be yeah, there it, it somewhere. There's always, it is recoverable. You know, but it, I, I would just, recoverable it is recoverable if they really somewhere. wanted to. But, yeah, right. they the subpoena, wanted, somewhere just, they the subpoena just asked for documents you have handy. You know, but I, I would point out that if you want to find out what was going on, maybe Donald Trump should just say to everyone around him, go testify before the committee. Testify under oath. Say what happened. I mean, part of the problem is they're trying to reconstitute something from forensic evidence that human beings can tell us if they want us to. And all of them are saying they don't want to for fear of self-incrimination, which should tell you a little bit of something. And the I ones don't know that, about oh, that. I would testify if I had to testify. Well, yeah, the, and, and they're patriotic Americans who are. Yeah. Not all of them have claimed the Fifth Amendment. Many of them have claimed executive privilege. And the president freed uh, Navarro of executive privilege. So he's now indicated a willingness to testify. And the issue in the Bannon case, which he will lose in front of the jury but might win on appeal, is when the president tells you that you have to invoke executive privilege, do you have any alternative but to do that at least until a court makes a determination that you're not subject to executive privilege. In his case, of course, he was not working in the White House, as different from Navarro. And so his claim of executive privilege is weaker. Well, he he has another problem, Dr. Dershowitz. He has another problem. According to Trump's lawyers, Bannon was never told that. Yeah, that's (laughs) That's a bigger problem. Yeah, (laughs) no, of course. Uh, But, you know, even if you weren't told it, if I'm called in front of a committee, even if my and and asked to disclose lawyer client confidences, I don't wait for my client. I say no. And if the client wants to come in an affirmative way, then, of course, I'll testify. But you resolve all doubts against testifying because once the cat's out of the bag, you can't put it back. So you're much better off not testifying until and unless a court tells you to. And I think that will be Bannon's basic defense. And he'll lose it in front of this jury. Uh, You know, we're already seeing jurors are picked and a number of them that have been disqualified 
have said that they have opinions about this, that they made up their mind, and that's not surprising. Now, Professor Dershowitz, let's talk about Twitter. I was, what did you say, John? You saw it that it said Musk zero, Twitter one, because Musk wanted to delay the trial. He wants to do some more investigating about the bots, but uh, the judge said, no, we're going to have a speedy trial. They're going to start in October. Tell us what, exactly what is the ramifications that, behind all of this? That is totally nuts. Uh, I have two cases. I'm trying to sue a woman who has falsely accused me who I never knew. I can't get a trial. It's been two years, and I can't get a trial. I'm dying to have this trial tomorrow because I want to put her on the witness stand and, and cross-examine her, and I want to get on the witness stand. I can't get a trial. It's hard to get a trial in two years today in America, and they want this complicated case to go to trial in a couple of months. I've never heard of anything. Well, like I, you I should try a tr- lawyer in the country. Try being a corporation a in Delaware, then. Pressure, Dershowitz. That's what Delaware. That's what Delaware courts do. I they move fast, and this you, is why they incorporate there. I have argued cases all over the world. I have never, ever argued in a more corrupt case, including the Soviet Union and including China, than the state of Delaware. Ever. <laughs> oh my God! I lost they the case are there too. Corrupt up to the hilt. Yeah, I lost the case. I bid. I bid. Yeah. Uh, we, we were buying. We we're trying to buy uh, Getty Petroleum, and Luke Oil bid five dollars a share. I bid six dollars a share, all cash, and Getty picked Luke Oil. Mm. Yeah. that's interesting. Well, you know, no. Why, why discretion ever, ever in Delaware? Really? No, no company should ever incorporate in in Delaware. Today, you can incorporate in Nevada and get all the same benefits. And the Nevada legal system is far better. I've argued in both states. The Nevada legal system is far better and far more trustworthy. What about the, the what, Delaware? The, system. What about their tax situation? Everyone everyone goes to Delaware because of the, the benefits from the taxes. Yeah, but I think Nevada is trying to do some of the same thing. I, I'm not a corporate lawyer, so I'm not familiar yeah. with that. All I can tell you is, having argued in Delaware, boy, that's not an experience you ever want to replicate whether you're a lawyer or a client. It's just, you know, it just doesn't seem right when you argue there. Everybody knows each other. Yeah. But they get what's called home cooking. If you have to hire the right lawyer and you get home you have to, You have to, and those judges, I, I won't mention the law firms I dealt with in, in Delaware. There were New York, Delaware, there were New York law firms, but are. Delaware, you know who they, they are. are, the big Delaware, three. Of course. The big of three. Course. Those judges were going to go whatever is good for them because when their term is up 10 years from now, they're going to go to work for one of those law firms. <laughs> Boy, did you hit it on the head. You are 100% <laughs> right. That's exactly been my experience. Yes. Well, we got a minute left. Anything else you want to say to the American people? Yeah. I mean, this case involving this poor guy who was attacked and uh, stabbed his assailant. Jose Alba. Yeah, I just don't think that he ought to be in the criminal justice system. Well, at the all. breaking I mean, news this afternoon is, is he's out. Well, the so charges have been dropped. The murder charges dropped against him. And so we'll be talking about that more right after we get off with you. I hope so. I hope so. I was definitely sympathetic to his position. And what are you expected to do when somebody comes at you like that? So. Uh, look, one more thing, if we have 30 seconds. A guy writes me a letter the other day and says he was on the beach reading my book. And he came over and somebody said, what are you reading that book for? And he says, well, I like the author. And the guy punched him in the mouth and sent him to the hospital. Oh, for my reading God. my book, 
for reading my book, you get The Price of Principle. That's your book, right? The Price of Principle. Go get it, and we promise you won't get punched in the face. Uh, Right. (laughs) (laughs) Well, thank you so much, Professor Dershowitz, and uh, come back anytime. Thank you, sir. Uh, thank you. Keep Let's it. Take a break, and we're, we're going to yeah. speak to Kathy Wild. We're going to talk about what happened with the bodega worker, George Pataki, Governor Pataki, Vito Fasella, Joe Ithier. Keep it right here, Cats at Night. You're commuting home with Cats at Night. Now here's John Katzimatidis on 77 WABC. Welcome back to the John Katzimatidis Cats at Night show. While we wait for Kathy Wild, we're going to talk amongst ourselves and. We'll talk about Jose Alba. He's that bodega worker who uh, D.A. Bragg dropped the charges against him for murder. But the woman that was also stabbing Alba on video is not getting charged. So there's a lot to discuss here. What do you guys think? What took so long? Two weeks? I, I think yeah, it makes you I wonder mean, the video what was, takes so long. What took so long? Because everybody was pressuring Bragg to do something about it. But he said that his evidence proved that they couldn't prove beyond a reasonable doubt that he intentionally wanted to kill that person. His name was Austin Simon. Did he not look at the video? I mean, the video is so clear. Were the guys begging? Well, the answer is he probably didn't. When they were charging, they probably didn't have No, when they were charging, they didn't have the video. But even if they didn't, the presumption that a bodega owner who's got no criminal record should be held for murder too. Right. Was kind of crazy to begin with. At least take a moment, take a deep breath, do an investigation before you make that conclusion. But look, we all would talk about the concerns about the, the police state and cameras everywhere. You know, Tony, Let's you said it guy. earlier, save this guy. And, you know, I hope that every defendant out there has access to be able to, to see this. But this guy, if it were not for this camera, he would be he would be going. He, he, said she right said he would probably still be getting held. He was on a five hundred thousand dollar bail initially. So now on the well, line for us, we have Kathy Wild. She is the uh, CEO and president It's a, for the nonprofit partnership for New York City. Uh, Kathy Wild. So we were just discussing that breaking news. I saw the mayor Adams. Breaking news. WABC. Hey, the breaking news. And Mayor Adams is also praising the district attorney's decision to drop the charges against Jose Alba. Your reaction? I know you just had a video conference with the DA as well. Well, I think that's very good news because uh, the bodega folks are on the front lines and have been in uh, for many, many years. They have been courageous uh, providers of essential workers to our neighborhoods, and I'm very glad that that happened. Kathy Wild, how I, I know well, they just had you just had a one hour Zoom call with the New York City partnership with Alvin Bragg. Is there any uh, uh, anything you wanted to tell us about it? Well, we were focused in this conversation on the uh, Supreme Court decision on. Uh, gun licensing and the concern that a whole lot more guns are going to be in New York City. The DA said how the vast majority of gun prosecutions, and they've been doing a lot of work on that, but they're almost all unlicensed illegal guns. So in the short term, they don't see a huge increase in guns. The question is over the long term whether the new licensing requirements will mean people who shouldn't have guns get them. So uh, that was basically the focus of the conversation. And he described how they're working very hard on gun trafficking. One thing he said um, that uh, Peter Pope, the assistant DA, said 
that the flow of guns from out of state into New York is sometimes described as a fire hose. He said, in fact, it's a thousand garden hoses, people with a dozen guns in their trunk. And it's just very difficult to interrupt the flow of illegal guns into the city. But that's what they're trying to do. Kathy, Anthony Weiner, good to talk to you. You you know, D.A. Bragg has not spoken publicly very much. And there is a perception that he has made decisions not to charge the way a lot of people think he should. Has he shared in his private conversations with you or members of your organization any uh, kind of a position or a defense against that? Does he say he's misunderstood? Does he say he's trying to calibrate? What is his general footing? Does he think he's doing fine and, and everything is okay? Or does he have a sense that really he's got some work to do? Well, it's changed a lot, Anthony. Um, Nice to speak with you, too. Back in January, uh, when we first met with him after his uh, day one memo came out, um, he was, uh, I would say, defensive and said he was misunderstood. But since then, he's become very clear about how he is prosecuting and pursuing cases to the full extent of what the law allows. And what we saw uh, last week was the uh, police department came out with figures now they have for the last two years since these laws changed, the the bail reform laws in 2019. They came out and they showed the percentage of recidivist cases has just shot up. And so they're getting people who are being, you know, these repeat offenses. There's now clear data showing the impact of the changes the legislature made in the laws and who uh, goes to jail or can be remanded to custody and who cannot. And it's these, this data is very compelling. If we can't get the legislature next year in the session to look seriously at these implications, we'll be in real trouble. Tony Carbonetti, didn't you say you had a statistic that only 16 percent of those arrested with illegal gun possession are even yes, spending that, a day in jail? So how how is the lead like compa- so- compared to the 1990s? If you were caught with an illegal gun in the in the 90s, there was a 90 plus percent chance you did jail time. Today, that's less than 16 percent. And that's the DAs, the DAs that are yeah. pleading them down. Well, pleading because of down. the discovery yeah. laws, yeah. Craig, yeah. you can yeah. correct. Talk discovery, about that. There's this new discovery laws. The district attorney has to provide – it's open file discovery. They have to provide all the information about the witness and the victims, their home address, their phone numbers, and everything else to the defense counsel. But uh, Eric I, Gonzalez was here the other day on the show, and he had said that there was mandatory mandatory jail time with a gun. One year. One year. No, no ifs, ands, or buts. Mandatory jail time. Now, what Eric Gonzalez told us is all the judges are pleading them down to misdemeanors, so they're not getting the, the, well, because the, the judges or the DAs. The judges. The, 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 the DAs, DAs are pleading them down, and the judges are accepting Because the it. DAs can't, well, can't meet the— Kathy, Kathy, Kathy. Yeah. yeah, but there's a legal issue that we have to fix with the legislature, which is this is what the police department released. Nearly a quarter of the people who we arrest for burglary— go on to commit another felony within 60 days. In 2017, that number was less than 8%. Wow. We have a revolving door system. Anthony Weiner, what would you do to combat the rising crime, specifically illegal gun possession? Well, the gun gun arrests are up and murder is down. That's a good thing. You know, the problem is I think that there hasn't been – sufficient attention paid to these property crimes that Kathy just referred to. 
you know, I, I've, I've heard John say, well, if you're stealing, that's fine. But the violent ones, no. I, I mean, the, there is a recidivism problem that seems to be going on. And people, I got to tell you, it seems to be that the criminal knows the line that they don't want to cross in order to get sent to prison. And that's often Absolutely four or five right. or six crimes. Right. And I think that's a science. They have it down to a science. They, they know how much they can steal. They know how many times they can get away with it. And it's way more than most New Yorkers should be willing to put up with. I agree. I agree. And that contributes to a whole kind of atmosphere of lawlessness. Kathy Wild, we're running out of time. You have one minute left. What else do you want to say to all New Yorkers that are afraid and say, oh, I've lost my city and I don't want to go back to work and I'm scared to go on the subway? What do you have to say? Well, I think that we've got everybody's attention. Thank you, uh, Mayor Adams. We've got everybody's attention on these issues of gun safety and public safety, and we've just got to keep pushing, and we've got to aim for being prepared next year when the governor and the mayor take their agenda to the legislature. We've got to be there and really fight for I think the fight is this November, Kathy. This November, who... Whom do you trust to keep you safe? That's what it's going to come down to. Thank you so much, Kathy. Thank, wow. thank you, Kathy. And we'll catch up again soon. And keep it right here, Cats at Night. Governor Pataki coming up. No, we're going to take the... Handling legal matters is stressful. So let the law offices of Frank Bruno Jr. provide you with the insightful counsel you deserve. The law offices of Frank Bruno Jr. has successfully handled thousands of cases for 25 plus years. They focus on elder law and estate planning, but are equipped to navigate you through all stages of family law and divorce to real estate law and probate. The law offices of Frank Bruno. Call 718-418-5000 or visit them at frankbrunolaw.com. That's frankbrunolaw.com. Frank Bruno. He's your numero uno. Uh, calling in now is we got Fernando Mateo, former uh, uh, mayoral candidate, and uh, we got a lot of mayoral candidates here. Well, we got Anthony Weiner, we got me. I mean, and Fernando. And uh, you, you wanted uh, to, to talk about what happened today with. Uh, uh, Jose DA Alba. Gray. Jose Alba, I know you went down there to the district attorney. You did some great work standing up for the bodega workers and the owners. So bravo to you, Fernando Mateo. Tell us how you feel about the DA dropping the charges against Mr. Alba. WABC, Today, New York City, the state of New York, and America won. You know why we won? Because we were able to demonstrate. Actually, the videos won. The jury and the judge in this case was, were the videos. If we didn't have these videos, Jose Alba would be doing 20 to 30 years in jail. He'd still be in you Rikers, know, too. It's, it's unfortunate that it's that way today. But you know what? Alvin Bragg, very few people had faith in that he would come out with the right verdict. I knew that he would come out with the right verdict from the moment I sat down with him and we spoke. And he basically said, I haven't made up my mind. I'm investigating. When my investigation is concluded, I will come up with the right verdict. I knew immediately that he would come out with the verdict that America saw. Fernando, but you said you had faith in him. If you had no video, what was he going to do? If he had no video, then, you know, we'd be we would have we would have striked out. Right. So it's not faith in him. He would have gone right after the guy. You know what? He hit a grand slam. I'm not going to bash the guy. 
the guy made the right decision for our bodega clerk, and that's what's important. You know what? He made a mistake to begin with. But he you want your mistake. clerk to have the benefit of the doubt it. going forward. If there is he no video and he's not a criminal and a criminal walks into his bodega and does something wrong, the owner should have the benefit of the doubt, but, which uh, he's not going to give Fernando him Fernando Mateo, you have to admit, murder two, half a million dollars bail, Rikers? I mean, that's that's crazy. He, he, that was crazy. I, the, the problem that I, I have with it, it is it, didn't, it took too long. It took too long. The next day, I, he should have looked at the video. Straight it out but the it should have never happened it out to the begin next day. with. He should have looked at the video, and he should have said, you know, upon and, looking at the video Anthony and the evidence. Anthony any you know, comment before we, uh, yes, I'm, we move I'm on? I'm glad Fernando was there weighing in for the guy. It's true. The videotape told it all. This is a reminder. We hire prosecutors to use their judgment. If he didn't have this video, I agree with Tony. I don't know how good his judgment would have been in this case. He was forced into this position. Fernando's right. It was the judge and jury was that videotape, and you wonder how many tens of thousands of people are out there. If they had a videotape, might not be sitting in a prison somewhere. Fernando Mateo. exactly right. Thank you for calling in, and we'll catch up again real soon. I understand you're going to be on the Rita Cosby tonight at 10 o'clock. I am, John. Thank you for having me, and thank New York. Thank the system for working. Once, once in a while, it works. Well, I hope I, I hope it keeps working. That's what I can say. All right, that's what we need. Thank you. And now on the line for us, we have Governor Pataki, and he's also a, a you know, I mean, he's the quintessential New Yorker. I wish you could run again, Governor Pataki, or maybe we can one kind more of time. come on one more time. Well, thank you, Lydia. Thank you, Lydia. Where is Holkel? Where's Holkel on this whole Jose Alba thing? She's been completely silent about the gang shootings. You name it. I know, Governor Pataki, you'd be out there on the forefront of this crime issue that is plaguing our city. I'll tell you, the crime is just a catastrophe. And you look at the headlines today, uh, she's out there fighting sharks in the Atlantic at a time when people are being shot on the streets of New York. 26 people <laughs> shot this weekend. That's just think of it. This isn't the 4th of July or Labor Day. This is an ordinary weekend. 26 people shot. And New York State does nothing. We need to repeal the no-bail law. Hochul could do that if she had the courage to stand up to a leftist legislature. You need to send DAs a message. You uphold all the laws. You don't take an oath to uphold the laws you agree with. You take an oath to uphold all the laws. If you're not prepared to do that, I will remove you. We don't have that coming from Albany. We don't have the leadership coming from Hochul, and people are dying because of it. Governor, it's Tony Carbonetti. Did did I hear her refer to the uh, bodega incident as a community incident and she didn't want to comment on it where, where does that community happen to be in new york it's state a local issue a local and she issue, didn't want right. to weigh in on it I, but I she mean, has no problem you, with the sharks and the bo- are you are you serious she actually said yes. it's a yeah, local yeah. issue yes this, yes. Is, this yes. is an issue yes. about whether new yorkers are going to have confidence that they can live in safely send their kids to school it is the ultimate issue for the governor to lead on and sadly we don't have that the fact that she didn't come out against Bragg after all the things that have been going on here. I mean, this is just egregious. Bottom line, guys. Bottom line, uh, in, in November, it's going to come down to election. whom do you trust? Whom do you trust to keep you safe after the election? Bottom line. Well, I hope it comes down to that, you know, but. Uh, well, if uh, they make it, it too should, complicated, because... whoever makes it too complicated loses. Exactly right. That's exactly right, John. You just have to focus on what is most on people's mind right now, appropriately so it's crime. Tony, you remember when Rudy and I came in, we were the most dangerous state in America. And we just sit back and say it's a community thing. 
Rudy and you changed the policing in New York. I changed over 100 criminal justice laws in New York State. We, I changed a lot of the judges, and we went from being the most dangerous place to the safest big state in America. This could happen again with leadership in Albany. We could go from being a place where people are fleeing because of their fear to people who come because they believe in the future, but it takes leadership in Albany. Well, bo- both of you supported the police, and both of you, when the judicial system complained about clogging it up, you said, then then put away the recidivist. If they do it more than once, you put them away, and you keep them for a while. Hey, go, 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 you, we, did, we did a study because I was getting hammered because we were building prison space. We did a study. Uh, the average criminal convicted of a violent felony, if they're allowed out early, are found uh, or have committed 12 violent crimes before they're convicted a second time. And more than 50% of those convicted for a violent felony the first time were convicted a second time, but not until they had committed 12 different felonies. It's not like there are all of a sudden tens of thousands of criminals running around New York who weren't here before. It's because the criminals who are hardened criminals understand there's no consequence. And there's no consequence because we have no leadership in Albany. We have no leadership from the district attorneys. That's got to change, or New York is just going to become more dangerous. Agreed. 100% agreed. Governor, there's another reason you're calling in. A good friend of all of ours is uh, in deep trouble with uh, his health. Tell us about it. Yeah, you're absolutely right, John. You know, I was able to become governor because of a lot of people, but nobody more so than Mike Long. Mike Long is a dear friend of all of ours. For 40 years, he chaired the conservative party in this state, and I've never met a better leader. I've never met a better person, a person who was deeply committed to his faith, to his family, and to the whole concept of freedom. And Mike Long is struggling and fighting with his health right now, but our prayers go out to him, and I tell you, my gratitude goes out to him because not only was a great leader and a great friend, but just a great human being. Governor, this is Craig Eaton. I, I worked with Mike during my 10 years as, as chairman of Brooklyn, and I spoke to Mike the other day, and I thanked him for all that he did for Brooklyn and the city and state of New York. Is he, he taking phone cell, calls? His cell phone works? He's, he's, yeah, he, he takes phone calls on his cell But, I mean, he is the one that had the most integrity and the most dignity. I mean, he was legendary. As a chairman. And rightfully so, he was legendary. And people don't realize this, but when I won the first time, my margin of victory came from the conservative party. Yes. Republican against Democrat, I lost. But Mike worked really hard to make sure that I had yeah. the conservative party line because they believed in what we were going to do together, like what we did on crime. Uh, and I just had and, nothing and, and admiration Governor, for Mike. With us right now, he just joined us. We have Borough President Vito Fasella whose margin of victory was helped by Mike Long, too. Vito, tell us about Mike Long. Well, it's good to be on with you all, especially uh, good Governor George Pataki, as been mentioned, wish you were back. Uh, but, yeah, Mike was just uh, – Mike is one of a kind. Um, there are very few people in politics that you meet over the years, and the more you're in it, the more you appreciate people who have honesty and integrity. And the old expression, John, was a handshake matters, and – I don't think there's less than five people left where handshake still matters, and, and Mike Long is one of them. But he was held to his convictions and his principles and of his views. Many of his views were in place today. We wouldn't have the state of the city or state that we're experiencing right now. You're uh, absolutely right there. He was a man of integrity, and uh, and he was a man that uh, was, was a straight arrow. I mean, uh, uh, Tony, you knew Mike Long, and uh, and uh, Craig? Yeah. 
great deal of respect for him. Um, like everyone's been saying, he had true values and he stuck to them. I learned a lot from Mike. And I understand, uh, Vito, I also understand that his wife uh, worked for you uh, uh, when you were congressman. Yeah, his wife, Eileen, is just one of the sweetest people you're ever going to meet. And she raised a, a, a beautiful family, uh, one of the largest you're ever going to meet, but you never knew it. She took, treated everybody with dignity and respect. And, uh, you know, they, were, they reached out to me last week to – uh, to indicate that things were changing. So I went to visit Mike and Eileen at their home. Uh, it was a nice visit, and we would just want to let them know we're, they're, in the prayer, they're in our prayers, the whole family, especially Mike and Eileen. Yeah. Absolutely. And, Vito, you hit it right on the head. With, uh, with Mike, you didn't even need a handshake. If he just looked you in the eye and said, yeah, I'll do it, he got it done. You know, and Mike uh, is a Marine. You're a Marine as long as you live. And he brought that, not just the integrity, but that fighting spirit to everything he did. And, uh, you know, I had to work with local leaders, national leaders, state leaders. Never have I met someone with uh, the strength, the integrity, uh, and just uh, the incredible character. Of I'm going to try. I have his cell number. I'm going to try calling him tonight. I hope he responds because I want to be able to, sure say, to say goodbye. And for, for those of you that don't know, uh, uh, I'm, not, I'm sure it's not a private thing. Is is he's been on the dialysis, and the doctors uh, don't think uh, uh, the, the dialysis is working, and uh, and uh, we're going to see him leave this world in the near future. Well, the world will be a lesser place. The world will be a lesser place without Mike Long, but we can all just uh, carry on in his memory. But he has an amazing family, all his children, his grandchildren. I know many of them Big from family. Bay Ridge. Big family. And one is nicer than the other. And, and he left. he's leaving a great legacy Wonderful here. people. Yeah. God bless him. God bless him. Well, thank you. Thank you. We've got to take a break. Uh, uh, Vito uh, Fasella, thank you. And he, listen, he went against the conservative party when you were running because they had endorsed somebody else. And he went on WABC radio many, many times and said, I'm endorsing Vito Fasel. He's been on the show many went, times. Yeah. yeah, and he actually went public last year, John, on your show, despite the fact that his party went in a different direction. And I respect that decision. But Mike stood firm, as he always did, and delivered and followed through on what he said he was going to do. I can't say enough good things about him. God bless Mike Long. May, may God bless Mike Long. He is a terrific man. And uh, I hate to see you leave, Mike. And. We're going to have to take that break now. And uh, th- thank you, Governor Pataki. Thank you, Borough President Vito Fasella. And we'll catch up again real soon. Oh, thank, thank you, John. Thank you, Lydia. Thank you. A common sense recap of the day's biggest stories. It's John Katsimatidis and Cats at Night on 77 WABC. Welcome back to the John Katzmatidi Show. And now we're going to talk about the podcast that belongs to the man who is responsible for Mayor Bill de Blasio <laughs> reigning over this city for eight years, who, by the way, ran and dropped out. What by the way, get, if, got, if we had to rewind the tape, when he got in the race, I was here sitting here and I said he's not going to win. He's not even come that close. He got but, 3%. Right? What did he get on the working part? Well, no, he, he got, look, the, he got 3%. Bill de Blasio, this was his home district, <laughs> and his favorables in his home district was about 20%. That's his home district. These are the people that know him best. Look, the problem that Bill de Blasio emerged with at the end of the day, his base was largely senior African Americans, and like this wasn't that kind of district. I, I got to tell you something. I would have respected much more if he ran through the tape, though. 
if he he said he had things he believed in and wanted to talk about them, you know, go talk about them and 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 stand up there. You know, you've got supporters, you have people who gave you money. I think stepping out is a little bit of a wussy way to go about it. But um, you know, now now at least there's someone else who can blame who who can blame themselves for Bill Blasio. His polling I, I numbers know. were atrocious. They so were tell us about your podcast. So we, we have a podcast on the Red Apple Podcast Network. A lot of the personalities here on, on 77 WBC News Radio, the most powerful news radio station in the country, have podcasts. Mine is called Keys to the City. What we do is every time, every episode, we take one idea, a common sense idea that comes from my experience as a city councilman, as a mayoral candidate, as a congressman. The first episode, we have two episodes that are out. The first one, we looked at how you bring back stop and frisk in a smart way. And what I suggest we do is stop and frisk is constitutionally permitted. It's been a tool for police departments forever. But where it got out of hand is we were doing so many of them that didn't result in any law under enforcement. Bloomberg. Right, under Bloomberg. And so what I'm suggesting is the way we get crime statistics every month, we also get the 250 numbers, meaning how many stops were done, where they were done. And if people are stopping too many, we find out about them. Officers know that it's going to be transparent. We can analyze them, but we still do it because ultimately law enforcement needs to have that tool in their quiver. For the second episode – we, and, and every time we do an episode, we have an expert in the subject come on and either say that idea sounds good or here's another one. The second episode was the idea of taking all the different agencies and say we want to know the 5% of things you don't do well and eliminate those programs. We always have ribbon cuttings when we start a program. We never eliminate them. We have Nicole Gelinas, who's a guest of the show frequently, come on and talk about the work that they've done. Mm -hmm. So it's called Keys to the City, the Red Apple Podcast Network. As you know, you have a podcast. John has a podcast. It's a, and, and this is one called Keys to the City, and it's where we, we talk about common sense ideas. If you think my ideas are all wet, you should still download the podcast because we have guests on that sometimes agree that my ideas aren't great ones, but they have ideas of their own. So if you ever do a show about energy, I know a guy, John Katzmatidis. Yeah, we're, 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 we're 29 straight days. We've seen the gas prices go down. What, what was it last week? What, no, it went up, then it went down. I mean, I, I uh, predicted uh, two weeks ago. On Fox, that uh, uh, we have reached peak pricing on crude oil, and that oil was going to go down. And the interesting thing was, when it looked like Biden might make a deal, President Biden uh, might make a deal in Saudi Arabia. That Friday morning, it went down as low as eighty nine dollars a barrel. Right. I mean, could you imagine if President Biden would have said, "I'm going to open up." I'm going to open up North America, Canada, Alaska, the United States uh, to uh, crude oil, more oil, and uh, I'm not going to have the EPA punish them every time they turn around. That's all it would take. It'll be it'll be sixty five to seventy five dollars a barrel within thirty days. John, so why, been talk, why do John's that? been talking about this for months. Why not do that? Instead, you're going to Saudi to Arabia that you called He's the pariah that President killed Khashoggi. Why? President Biden is stubborn. He doesn't want to do that. This this isn't a supply problem. This is a refinery problem. And and I ask you this: you're you're in the energy business, John. Do energy? Do the gas companies like high prices or do they like low prices? It has nothing to do with it. No, but that's what, the, the they're people, happy. Anthony. The people that are suffering is the American people. We are moving wealth from North America. We're moving wealth from North America into the into the hands of the Saudis, the Iranians. The, the Venezuelans now and the Russians, and that's what we're but doing. these companies have the ability to drill now. They're Absolutely not doing it because they like high Why prices. Why should they drill? Why should they drill when, when the EPA is after their butt? And, it, and if they spend a billion dollars to, to do this X, Y, and Z, and the EPA is after their butt, 
Yeah, I am a capitalist. Yeah, no, I'm a yeah. capitalist. I believe that they're doing what a capitalist in- industry does, Wrong. and that is they're, they're b- benefiting from high prices. That's why they're, they're doing it. Not when the president of the United States declares them the enemy of, the, uh, of Washington and the enemy of the White House, and that's just about what they've done. Let's move on. Sorry, my money's on John. Sorry, Let's sorry, Anthony. He, he, sorry. Does, he does know the subject a little better than me. Just I will a little confess bit, that. Just a little bit. And he's been right, what, 90-something percent of but, the time? By the, the last way, 12 months, I've been right 98% of the time. Yeah. 30 days in a row, price is going down. Thank you, Joe Biden. What? It's not. It, well, well you're he the top blamed of the mountain, Putin. It's got to come down. Okay, but I'm saying if you're going to blame <laughs> it when it's at the top, then you've got to thank and him I when it goes did, down. And I was on Fox this morning, and I predicted that we're going to reach uh, peak pricing on food by September. So what I said that the the Fed should wait, should you know they spent trillions of dollars as uh, to, to get us out of COVID. Why not wait thirty, sixty, ninety days? Because if they raise interest rates, the amount they want to raise them, they're going to kill the real estate industry of the uh, of our country. Already on the real deal over the weekend, fifteen percent of the current contracts are being torn up mm-hmm. by the people. Yeah. That have the, the, the real uh, to buy homes. Your mortgage is gone. To buy, they two, can't two afford six percent mortgages. The, the Fed has so, one tool dealing with inflation, and it's interest rates. No, what else do you want yeah, them to do? There's another tool. Joe Biden could say, "Let's open up North America." That's not the Fed, though. Okay, but Joe Biden. But then, then we're putting the Fed in the position where where they have to raise prices, and he's going to kill the rest of the economy. But, but you know what? Biden's taking credit. He's saying it went from five hundred two to four fifty. It was. $2.38 when he came into office. Well, well you know what? Double. As in the words of Larry Kudlow, the cavalry is coming. So we could possibly see right. a big red wave, especially coming from the Hispanic community. Joe Ithier is on the line to talk about that. There's a record number of Hispanics that are turning red. We saw what happened with Myra Flores in that historic Democrat district. It was 150 years and she turned it red. They're not tacos. They're not enchiladas. Joe Ithier, what are you hearing from the Hispanic community? Hey. Common sense. That's what it's all about. Common sense. The Hispanic community is sick and tired of the crime. They're sick and tired of what happened with the Borreguero. Okay, let's say it right. And we are now seeing an influx in uh, the South, in Florida, in Texas. I mean, they are sick and tired of what's happening in the United States. It's all about common sense, and they're going to go where the – and like John continues to say, November is critical. And we're going to see a shift by the Hispanic community who's been taken for granted, and it's an important voting block. And by the way, I was part of the Pataki, the last campaign, greatest time I had working for George Pataki, and we created Amigos de Pataki. And that was a big influx in New York State, where Latinos who were Democrats, independents, conservatives, Republicans, went after the common sense candidate in believing in George Pataki, who did a great job and worked with all the Democratic uh, uh, elected officials throughout the state in the Latino community. He was there. And that is important when you get candidates who care about their communities, not to go to Texas and say we're tacos or 
say the wrong word of she said Bo- Bogota instead of Bodega. That was pretty bad. You got to admit, Wiener. Yeah. I know you. I know you're a big Jill Biden fan, but you got to admit that was ridiculous. Oh, I, she, I, if there was not a speechwriter fired for that, I don't know who. But you'd not be able to say Bodega. The whole thing was hilarious. It I was. Thought. It was. It was embarrassing. embarrassing. It was it, embarrassing. I know. We we know the Latino community. They're pro family. They're pro God. They're pro law enforcement. They're pro common sense. They're they're not for what AOC stands for and the other no, there, there has been there has been that recent big big New York Times poll that came out. There was a, a, a communities of color have been turning away from the Democratic Party. College educated suburban voters turning towards the Democratic Party. There is a realignment that might be going on here, and it's will be interesting to watch. And ultimately, I don't believe it's crime. I think it's the economy. Remember, these are a That's lot of too. these are a lot of middle income people, working families, working and they're getting crushed with the economy. Listen, so, listen, uh, guys, guys. Back in the days when the Puerto Rican community, the Cuban community, the Dominican community started coming in the early 40s, 50s and stuff, they came here and became Republicans because they wanted ownership, because they wanted to have their own stores. They wanted to have properties. They wanted ownership. They want, and that's what the Republicans stood for. So way back in those days, my, uh, I was an adopted child. My adopted father was a true Republican. My mother owned a beauty parlor. My father owned a candy store and they brought in an apartment building because they believe in the right way of life in the United States, so they went Republican because that's what it stood for. Joe, this is Craig Eaton. I hope everything's well with you. Um, we need we need to send the message out to all the Hispanics in New York City and New York State to get out and vote for change in November, to vote for Lee Zeldin. Let's do whatever we can. Well, that's you know it best, uh, Craig. You've worked with the uh, Hispanic community in Brooklyn throughout the years. Uh, you know, you 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 know what the issues are. John knows what the issues are. We've all worked hard, and you and 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 I think Anthony said it. Uh, uh, there's going to be a shift. Bob, You're going to see a shift. Joe, if you, thank you so much for coming on, and uh, Craig Eaton and uh, Tony Carbonetti, thank you guys, and Anthony Weiner. I'm glad the shock didn't eat. God bless. Thank you, Lydia, my my sidekick. And uh, by the way, Curtis just Curtis Sliwa just texted me yesterday was National Ice Cream Day, and he wants me to thank Tom Carvel for making great ice cream. Okay, that's great. Well, what do we stand for in this show? Truth, Truth, justice, and the American American way. God bless America. Thank you all. Ohio, ready for some quick mental health facts? Let's go. Nearly 2 million Ohioans live with a mental health condition. In the U.S., more than 50% of people will be diagnosed with a mental illness in their lifetime. Depression is a leading cause of disability worldwide. So why are some of us still stigmatizing people living with a mental health condition when we know all of this? Let's listen to the facts and beat the stigma. Ohio, challenge what you know about mental health at beatthestigma.org.